way, looking like a monastery, oh yes. I'm way up, I feel blessed. WQHT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. Oh yeah, I'm way up. I feel blessed. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the racial climate on college campuses. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Find me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, and on Instagram, at Lisa Evers. And I just want to say I am so blessed. It is great, great, great to be back here live on the Hot 97 mic. I was out for a couple of weeks, had a pretty bad accident, broke my elbow, elbow cap off, had to have surgery, the whole thing. But I want to thank the amazing team at Lenox Hill Hospital, doctors, the nurses, the entire staff. And I want to thank everybody on Twitter and Instagram and just uh, on the text message, the emails, sending me get well wishes and, uh, you know, prayers, sending my prayers my way. I think it's definitely helped me heal a lot faster than uh, normal. That's what the doctor said. So I think that that positive energy has really helped me. But we've got a great show, great panel today, and a really important topic we want to talk about, and not just get into the surface knee-jerk reactions of how we feel emotionally about these incidents that are happening, but also what do they really say about us as a society? And also, how do we make things better for everyone? How do we fulfill that dream of equal opportunity, equal respect for everyone based on who a person is and what the content of the character is? Now, you've probably seen the video, and this is what gave us the idea for the show here. You've seen the video of the Oklahoma University SAE frat students singing a racist rant on a bus using the N-word and making a lynching threat. Now, the university president at the University of Oklahoma, he kicked the fraternity off campus and expelled the two students. But was this enough punishment? Does this punishment fit the crime? And does it do anything to change the attitudes of power and privilege that allows some whites... A minority, I like to think, um, to feel that it's okay, reprehensible racist behavior, that it's fine. Now, this weekend, President Obama spoke about it. He said, in part, quote, at any given point, on any given day, someone is doing something stupid. And then he goes on to say that, that the way we measure progress is not, is there ever going to be another incident of racism in the country? But the way we measure it is, how does the majority of the country respond when these incidents happen? And the president said he believes the majority is responding to that SAE race rant a lot differently and a lot better than they would have 40 or 50 years ago, and that there has been progress. Now, then there was another case this week that you know drew our attention and a lot of attention around the country, and we're going to take your telephone calls all across the United States as we stream this show live on hot97.com at 1-800-223-9797. There was the incident Wednesday of 20, a 20-year-old University of Virginia honor student, Martise Johnson. Now, the video shows, what we see in the video, Martise, who is black, being arrested by two alcohol beverage control officers who are white. At least one of them is white. One is handcuffing him. The other looks like he's knocking his head, pounding his head into the ground. Now, what was Martiz's alleged crime? 
from what we're able to tell, trying to get into a St. Patrick's Day party at an off-campus bar with his white classmates. And uh, the drinking age in Virginia is 21. He's 20. They're there to enforce the law. But uh, many of the whites appeared to get away without any arrest and are kind of just waving at the camera, some of them, as they're, as they're running away. He needed 10 stitches to close the cuts on his face. And he is the only black student on the university honor committee so this legal drinking age is 21 but like many college campuses and states where the drinking age is 21 it's a common practice for students to get into these bars with a fake id there was allegations that martiz had a fake id his attorney says that is absolutely not true that that's false and uh you know they're they're looking for a full investigation into what happens some of the um, african-american students at uva have been posting comments about the fact that it is easy for white students to sneak into these bars or get into these bars without even having a fake ID checked. But if you're a black student, it's a different situation. Now, education, especially a college education, as we know, is supposed to be, or we're told, it's it's a gateway for everybody to a better life. But if racial tensions change the climate for students of color? Give us a call now. Hit up Rose at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And let's remember, we saw students from all races and ethnic groups marching in unity for weeks during the Eric Garner and Michael Brown protests, marching peacefully for weeks. But what's going on now? Are we just, or are we just seeing something that's been going on for a long time being made public because everybody has a camera on their phone? Has racial understanding improved on campus? despite these and other incidents, or have things gotten worse and that margin of of what uh, President Obama calls people doing crazy things on any given day, have they just become more public? Let us know what you think at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. If you are an African-American, white, Latino, Asian, mixed college student on a campus where there's fraternities and sororities, and you have comments, you have experiences about this, hit us up right now. Rose is on the phones. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Now joining me in studio is Dr. Darren Porcher. He's a criminal justice professor and former NYPD lieutenant. Also with us is Angel Rodriguez. He's a TV personality, host, and writer. He says we need to take a closer look at all incidents involving racial bias and not just be singling out one or two particular groups. Also with us is Pierre Bazile. He's a criminal defense attorney and former NYPD police officer. And remember, you can post your comments on my Instagram page at Lisa Evers. That's L I S A E V E R S. 1 800 223 9797. That's 1 800 223 9797. Well, when we look at um, college campuses here in New York in comparison to what we see in the South, there's a big difference. First off, um, I think it was appalling in connection with what the members of the SAE fraternity, how they conducted themselves on that bus. We have to look at the culture within that fraternity and say that, look, there is definitely room for change. I think that the president of the University of Oklahoma took swift 
swift and correct action in expelling the fraternity. Um, I think he gave him 24 hours. 24 hours, he moved everything out. The the fraternity, um, the members that were a part of this were expelled from the fraternity. In addition, I, I noticed that members of the, I guess, the fraternity's hierarchy spoke out against what these individuals took part in. The uh, the African American students um, that were on this campus, they conducted a series of protests, which is understandable because when we look at it, offenses like this, they're against a culture. They're not directed towards a particular individual. And when we, when we think in terms of the hate crime statutes, this kind of fits the bill for that. Um, do I see problems like this that exist in New York City? No, I don't. However, is it possible? Absolutely. But people but, keep their mouth shut. They're not going to be doing something that blatant if they feel that way. Is that what you're saying? We have a different culture here. So it would be far more subversive here in a place like New York as opposed to in the South where it would be more extroverted. All right. Angel Rodriguez, 20% of the fraternity national membership, the directors say, is African-American. There's African-American alumni who are SAE. We'd love to hear from you at 1-800-223-9797. And um, the director of the, the fraternity nationally has instituted now a diversity officer because he says this is not who the fraternity really is. This this is not who we really are. Do you think that too much is being made of this and we're not looking at all types of racial and ethnic bias across the board? Um, As a I Latino. Th- well, I am Latino. I grew up in the South Bronx. Um, I've experienced um, a little history so you can kind of get my perspective. I've experienced um, the racism from both sides of the house. Being a light-skinned Latino... Growing up in the South Bronx, I got jumped while words were being thrown at me like, get that white boy, light his hair on fire. And then I physically got the crap beat out of me. On the other side, I've been up against the wall where I've been told, you know, um, you know, at least we got one of you S words for the Latino uh, slant, uh, derogatory term, right? Right. So I've been on both sides of the house. So I don't even have a home. <laughs> You know, so you feel like you're catching it from both ends. I have caught it from both from both sides of the spectrum. Now, in terms of of what those guys did, it's, it's disgusting, and um, I'm glad that there were swift consequences. Uh, uh, we don't we don't want people to be able to get away with things like that. But my point has always been, um, you can't you can't have a double standard with that. So it's always got to be if you apply it here, you have to apply it here. No matter what, if the if the facts prove that out. Pierre Bazile, your former NYPD officer and a criminal defense attorney, some commentators said that just expelling the students wasn't really enough because you've expelled them and you haven't really addressed these ideas that they have, these notions that they have that are very anti-American and that are reprehensible to the vast majority of Americans. What do you think about that? I think that expelling them is probably all that you can do. You can applaud first the president of the university because he took very swift and appropriate action. Good move by him. But you have to understand in terms of hate speech. You can't prosecute somebody merely for speaking. And the case on that would be called Brandenburg versus Ohio, a 1968 case. It says that even hate speech is entitled to First Amendment protection until and unless it rises to the point where it poses an imminent danger of unlawful activity. And to understand it, it's the classic yelling fire in a movie theater scenario. You can't walk into a crowded theater and yell fire because it raises a potential for immediate danger. People are going to stampede out of there and kill each other. So if somebody is, uh, what's the word, publishing hate speech, they have every right to do that under the First Amendment until and unless they're 
advocating for immediate unlawful activity of violence. So what about so this is when you talk about this first amendment freedom of speech this is what allows like the Ku Klux Klan and a couple years ago when they were holding those rallies in public to say the the, the, the hateful things and, and very negative things that they were saying. Under the first amendment you could you have the right to even say un-American things. That's your, your speech is protected under the First Amendment. So you can't prosecute somebody just for saying something repugnant. You can't prosecute somebody for thinking something repugnant. Until the point where they actually are inspiring, advocating, trying to get people to engage in unlawful activity. But in this case with the SAE comment, couldn't you say, if there was a case that followed after that, where he's saying you'll never see a, you know, N at, at SAE hanging from a tree, if there was an incident after that that could a, that a, a student or another person said, yeah, I was inspired by that, or that motivated me, and at that point, does that change the what, what could happen to that student on the bus who was singing that? Yes, the argument could be made at that point. The argument could absolutely be made at that point that if he, if somebody were to engage in, say, a lynching after being on that bus, and he said, hey, uh, John Schmo, the guy who was running the bus, told me to hang the guy from a tree. I'm doing what he told me to. Or I saw the YouTube video. Yeah. He's, he's got a problem now. But what about now coming at it from the other side? Can the attorney and the, the, the student, the main student in this, he was expelled, he, but he does have a very high-profile uh, attorney defending him. Can he say he was exercising his freedom of speech? Is that... Can he do that, or is it different because he's a college student? And the answer to that is not so much. Because he's a college student, the school has a certain degree of control over what you publish. The Constitution, the First Amendment, restricts the government, and that's an important distinction to make. It, it keeps the government from infringing upon your right to free expression. If you're a student in school, your school can, to a certain degree, stifle what you say publicly. If you're employed by somebody, to a degree, your employer can. Like a code of conduct, like if there's a code of conduct. Absolutely. You can't walk around the school... Yelling the N-word or yelling go, you know. It creates a hostile environment in the school, and even if it's a public school, it doesn't have to be a private school, but they can restrict your speech and say, no, you can't do that. So... It's very important to understand that the First Amendment restricts the government, not private entities. All right, so that's why we're seeing some of the things also, too, like with the campus, with these uh, these uh, sex, ex- very exploitive sex, uh, sexist photos of the women that the frats are doing or whatever. But let me, um, Dr. Porcher, the, the other students, I mean, when you look at that video, the SAE uh, situation, there's other students, the students are sitting there, they're singing along, no, nobody, you don't see anybody standing up going like, this is this is totally whack, or this is ridiculous, or, or this is not acceptable, and, you know, stop the bus, I want to get off. It's like, Nothing happened to all those other students. It seemed like everyone else went along with it in terms of um, their temperament on the bus. However, we do need to remember it was one of the students that was on the bus that did release this video. So it did come from someone that was actually on this bus. But what's interesting to me, I look at it from a cultural perspective in that the culture within that fraternity, SAE, seemed like they were comfortable with this type of behavior. In no way, shape, or form did I see this as an aberration. It didn't look like the the first time this guy was doing something like that. Or did anyone else on the bus stand up and say, look, this was a problem. I need you to stop. They were in a very jovial mood in connection with this. But like like I mentioned earlier, there was one, one of the individuals that was on that bus was who did that in fact release that information.
Right, that they that they put it out there and they wanted people to see what That's was correct. going on. So that was effective. All right, let's take a phone call. Uh, Carl from Rockland County. Carl, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Yes. Um, one of my uh, things I wanted to discuss about is is the way we penalize these individuals. Earlier, just we were saying that how a lot of these individuals feel that they're covered um, under the First Amendment right, how they can say whatever they want to say. And in a way, they're all right. They're all right. But then penalizing them only basically hide the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. And this is the same frat fraternity that had an individual called George Dusdun. He was an inspired doctor. Um, he was 19 years old, sophomore from Brooklyn, New York, uh, son of a Haitian immigrant. And he was basically um, killed by these guys because they blindfolded him and they had him drinking alcohol until basically he was dead. Oh, my God. I'm not familiar with that case, but I I know there are, like, doing some research for the show today, I know there are, um, the statistics, 60 deaths linked to fraternities over the last 10 years during some of these horrendous hazing experiences. And there are some people who are calling for the abolition of fraternities altogether. Carl, thank you so much for the call. And Angel, Carl was also saying um, to Rose when when he first called into Hot 97 here at 1-800-223-9797 that a lot of this starts with the parents as your experience growing up as a latino in the south bronx was it the parents that were formulating these ideas of the people you were interacting with as you said get you know catching it from both sides or was it the was it the neighborhood was what was it who do you where do you think these things started because kids are not born racist correct um I think in my specific experience, right, everyone's going to be different. So I can only speak for myself. I think it was just where I grew up, right? Um, Where I grew up, there was that animosity. And um, because I was, I looked the way I look, it it was just held against me by default. I mean, it didn't matter. My first day in junior high school, I got jumped. I mean, my face, I went home bloodied. Bloodied with my face, and you were jumped by jumped by what what ethnic group? It was the Latinos, my own my own people, and black dudes. They just jumped me because literally they specifically said, "Get that white boy." They thought and you were I, white. I'm 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 just like, what what's going on? You know, like I I haven't done anything to these guys. I haven't you know. They just just jumped me, beat me up. Um, I, I our parents because we I've grown up with with Latinos, and I know a lot of Latinos, and it's not parents. I think it's just the streets that kind of kind of breeds you this way where you're you just develop this animosity towards a group of people and if you happen to see someone that fits that description you may not have access to them all the time so i happen to look like a white guy and i was just the guy that was walking the street but how did you not let that affect how you look at people of other races and ethnic well, groups I, it's, it's like like you guys are saying we this is new york city so new york city is a melting pot i've grown up with People from all over. My, my my block was like uh, what we call like a West Indian block, you know. So I grew up listening to reggae, you know, um, West Indian music, so, so hip hop. You're in the hip hop, right course, there. Of I, course, I, I do my I, I do hip hop music. So I'm I'm as multicultural as as one could be, but I also have to recognize and acknowledge that um, I've caught it from both sides. All right, let's bring in uh, let's bring in Kasai Rex right now. He's he's a writer living in his hometown of Baltimore. Wrote an article for Salon.com. I was the black guy in a white frat. Kasai, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. We're talking, as you know, about the SAE, the the race rant on the bus. And what is your take on that? 
Um, honestly, as I wrote in the salon piece, I'm not really surprised. I think that uh, in the week or so since, um, the narrative has kind of been, you know, these fraternities are dens of racism and sexism and what have you. And I think that's true to a degree. Um, but I think that uh, the conversation uh, should be focused on the fact that, you know, racism is still alive and well in our country. I think it's uh, convenient for certain segments of the population, particularly white America, to think that, oh, this only exists in ugly videos like the one we saw. Um, but it's it's all around us, to be perfectly frank. The um, in, in terms of the punishment, does did the punishment of those two uh, students on the bus, those those two SAE students, did the punishment fit the crime, or do you think something else should have been done? I think that you know the punishment you know, that is what it is. I think more important is uh, this is something I've discussed before. The environment in situations like this seems to be a reactive one. And I really think it should be proactive in situations like this where, uh, you know, these frats have these parties where people dress up in blackface and then, you know, the pictures get leaked or the video gets leaked like it did with the SAE thing and then everybody's sorry, apologizing, you know, lawyers get involved. It's like rather than that, uh, you know, there's the whole free speech camp. But I think that protecting students of color and women um, and gay and trans students from <laughs> these affronts in the first place, from these uh, these assaults on their humanity, I think is, is is more important than you know slaps on the wrist or you know in this case these kids got expelled. But you know you kind of have to live with uh, live with your decisions, and I think that's this is a lesson in that. For no, them. and you and you also bring in the the situation with women too, which there have been a number along with these these uh, racial incidents, a lot of, some very sexist behavior and very what what some people would say criminal behavior. Some people yeah. would call it criminal, but until a crime is committed, you can't call it criminal. There's a difference between hate speech and a hate crime. Kasai, uh, what about education? Because some people were saying also, some commenta- other commentators, that these students should have been, they should have been mandated as part of their, you know, ex- being expelled package, the exit package, that they had mm. to go through some kind of uh, diversity sensitivity or racial sensitivity. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of a hit or miss. You know, if somebody comes up a certain way, um, you know, where they're surrounded by white people their whole life, for instance, and uh, their only information on people of color, on uh, gays, lesbians, and transsexual individuals, their only information about that is from, you know, either a hateful environment or the media's messages, which can't always be responsible. Um, I think that that can only go so far. Um, I don't know. I honestly think that if a kid is is on a bus chanting that kind of thing, I think that a deep uh, a deep sort of rehabilitation is necessary to really show him that you know, there are people out, plenty of people out there that don't look like him, that are carrying on in life, that are just trying to you know do the best for themselves and their families, and I think that's a really important uh, message to get across to kids like this. So they are no better or worse than uh than people who don't look like them. And what was when you were when you were in the frat? What were uh, did you have some negative experiences? Yeah, and I think it's, uh, it's looking back, um, it, it was always kind of, you know, there was a, an incident at NC State over the weekend where uh, some kid's pledge notebook was The found pledge book, with, right. Yeah, with references to, you know, this would be a great treat for lynching and all this other stuff. And there were also some, some uh, sexually violent, apparently, yeah, comments, yeah. too, and about I, women. And I think that uh, in in the case of both the racism and, uh, you know, the, the sexist stuff, the, the misogynist stuff, 
it, it's behind closed doors for the most part. Um, you know, because these houses they want to maintain an image, this that and the other. But ultimately, again, this is this is something where uh, you know schools I think have a responsibility to uh, those on the so-called margins to. <laughs> Uh, you know, protect them against this kind of stuff, especially, you know, in the cases of rape um, that we hear about so often where there's just this culture of, you know, if you can't prove it, you know, hit the bricks. Right, exactly. And where it's just to keep it silent. What do you think needs to what do you think needs to be done? Some people are calling for the abolition of uh, fraternities altogether. What do you think needs to happen? Um, I don't think that that's necessary because there are plenty of. They do uh, a lot of good, and, and let's point yeah, out there's exactly. a, there's a lot of a lot of the fraternities, of you know, regardless of the racial composition of the fraternity, there's a lot of fraternities and sororities. They partnered with us with street soldiers on all kinds mm-hmm. of programs from voter registration to the hurricane relief projects and stuff, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they do a lot of really great community service. That's part of the Greek tradition. But is is there a danger that this this dark underside is is kind of you know? overshadowing all of that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I don't think that uh, the abolition of fraternities and sororities is the answer because that's punishing a lot of uh, young men and women who are doing service, who are having a good time without harming anybody or themselves. Um, you know, this is a minority of uh, houses that are doing this kind of stuff. But I think that, again, um, you know, in the case of uh, stuff like, you know, these racist incidents that we've seen, the, the rape culture that exists, um, on the scenes of a lot of these fraternities that, again, the schools have to step in and say, this is not something we'll tolerate. So if you want to exist on this campus, if you want to continue the tradition of your national chapters, you got to play by the rules. This is not, uh, this is not acceptable behavior. That's no, exactly. All right, Kasai, thank you so much for being with us on Street Soldiers, Hot 97 FM, 97.1 FM on the live stream. And uh, you can find out more about Kasai at Kasai, that's K-A-S-A-I, Rex, R-E-X. He wrote the article for Salon.com. I was the black guy in a white frat. Thank you so much for being with us. We, re- we really appreciate it. And also, you should know by now, because you've been listening to Hot 97 all weekend, this is a summer jam. Sum- is summer really coming? There's still a little snow yeah. on the ground. It's coming. TJ says it's coming, so I'll believe him. Summer Jam winning weekend. Listen every hour this weekend to win tickets to Summer Jam 2015 happening at MetLife Stadium on June 7th. B.O.B., Joey Badass, Travis Scott, more have already been announced for the festival stage. Join the click now at Hot97.com to get in on the exclusive pre-sale. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. We're talking about the uh, racial climate on campus. Are things getting better? Are things getting worse? We're also going to talk about the Martiz Johnson UVA conflict with those alcohol beverage control officers and what you should do if you're stopped by police. Do you know the right thing to do? Is there a way to de-escalate the situation so you don't end up in the ER or dead? 1-800-223-9797 at Lisa Evers, Twitter and the Gram and uh, we'll be back right after this. Hot 97's on-air contests are generally open only to residents of New York, New Jersey and Connecticut, ages 18 and above who have not won a contest within 30 days. No station employees, family members or sponsors are eligible. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Go to hot97.com slash contest dash rules for additional details and complete rules. Sansone Jeep has joined the march. Sansone's 1500 car march is back and better than ever. SansoneAuto.com. We're out to sell 1500 cars this March, no matter what. SansoneAuto.com. All the hottest Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep models at the lowest prices. Plus, you get a $2,500 bonus check towards every new vehicle and guaranteed financing. Only at Sansone 1500 Car Mart. 
SandzoneUp.com. Woodbridge, New Jersey. Every day in Suffolk County, someone, somewhere needs help. A life is in peril, and injustice is suffered. Wrongs must be righted. Be a force for good. Be a hero for the community. Be a Suffolk County police officer. Apply online at www.joinscpd.com. Salaries start at $42,000 with great benefits. Special opportunities for Spanish-speaking applicants. Application deadline, April 1st, 2015. Written test dates, June 13th, 2015. Start living the life of a hero. Apply today. Are you interested in a job in a healthcare field or know someone who wants free job training? Go to the Allied Healthcare Pipeline Program at Hostos Community College in the Bronx. They will train you to become a certified nursing assistant, community health worker, health information technician, and more. Join them at their open house on Saturday, March 28th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at 120 East 149th Street in the Bronx. Mention Hot 97 to find out if you're eligible for free, yes, free trainings. Call 718-664-2540 for details. Hi, here's your delivery from Staples.com. Thanks, Staples guy. Ugh, do you have stuff to clean this disaster of a break room? Sure, Staples has wipes, paper towels, sprays, sponges, all at a low price. How about these floors? Disinfecting cleaners, mops, bucket with side press ringers, and yellow wet floor signs. Anyone know how long it takes to reheat cod? We also have air fresheners. I'll take a case of those. Make on budget happen, make cleaning up happen. Staples, make more happen. Now at Staples, get Scott 12-pack paper towels for just $7.99. Offer valid on SKU 300469 in store and online. It's 328 while supplies last. See store staples.com for details. With a Sam's Club membership, you get incredible savings every time you shop. Sam's Club members get an exclusive savings book with more than $5,000 in additional offers. Get a head start on spring cleaning with instant savings on your favorite products like Lysol disinfecting sprays, Clorox cleaning products, OxyClean, and Bounty paper towels. Hurry into your local club to get these limited time offers before March 29th. Join and save. Sam's Club. Life is better when you're in the club. See club for details. Attention homeowners, are you tired of fighting with your mortgage bank for a loan modification? Do you fear losing your home? Have you been taking advantage of a loan modification company? Banks are modifying loans every day, but they will not help you unless you meet their guidelines. Don't let your mortgage company keep giving you the runaround. Take action now. Let the fine law offices fight to get you the lowest possible monthly payment. The fine law offices have helped thousands of your neighbors lower their monthly mortgage and save their homes. If you're behind on your mortgage and need help now, call one 800 1923 That's 1-800-513-1923. The fine law offices have been in business for over 40 years with an A-plus reputation, and they won't let your bank push you around. If you need help with your mortgage, the time to fight is now. Call the fine law offices at 1-800-513-1923. Banks have attorneys, so should you. Call the fine law offices at 1-800-513-1923 or visit them online at finelawoffice.com. At least Toyota, the only thing falling are the prices. I'm Cindy with Lease Toyota, and welcome to our white tag sales event going on now. Shop our three large showrooms in one location, and the price on the tag is the price you pay. You'll get a lot for a little with no hassle, just honesty and integrity. The foundation of Lease Toyota for over 50 years. Don't wait. Get here today and see white as you save some green. The white tag sales event. See what a great deal really is at Lease Toyota. At the corner of Hillside Avenue and Queens Boulevard. Call 718-657-LEES. So I was talking to a buddy of mine who's on the NYPD, right? And he told me to check out NYPDRecruit.com. So I did. Awesome benefits, lots of chances to move up in the ranks, and an excellent salary. And I can take the exam six days a week. It's that easy. I went down to one of the New York City testing centers and took the exam, and now I'm looking forward to a great opportunity with the NYPD. 
Take the NYPD exam offered six days a week. Visit nypdrecruit.com or call 212-RECRUIT for current test schedules and filing fee information. The NYPD is an equal opportunity employer. What up? This is Trey Songz and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. And uh, we're taking your telephone calls, 1-800-223-9797. We're talking about the racial climate on campus, our tensions and frustrations building, or are things getting better? 1-800-223-9797. On the gram, at Lisa Evers, Twitter, at Lisa Evers. And we're talking about that SAE video where we saw the uh, two frat, frat members using the very racist terminology and, and singing. And then we're also talking about the case this week of Martise Johnson. He is a 20-year-old honor student at UVA who was allegedly beaten by alcohol beverage control officers at an off-campus bar uh, trying to get into a St. Patrick's Day celebration early Wednesday morning. And the issues are very clear to us. The issues are campus violence and, and racial violence. Also, just racist verbal behavior, and then the the possible excessive force by law enforcement against young men of color. Is there racial profiling? Was Martise was he singled out because he was black, and his white friends were allowed to just kind of walk away when they didn't have the proper ID with no no question? Did they target him? Um, that's what we're asking you at one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. And some people want to comment on uh, whether or not fraternities should be banned. All together. So joining us in studio for this discussion, Dr. Darren Porcher. He's a criminal justice professor, former NYPD lieutenant, Angel Rodriguez, TV personality, host and writer, and also Pierre Bazile. He's a criminal defense attorney and former NYPD police officer. And let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Millie. Millie, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Uh, yes, good after, uh, Good morning. Good morning. Uh, what I was saying, that there is a police culture, unfortunately, because so many of them, uh, there's a uh, preconceived notion about people of color. And uh, automatically, this is thought that they always feel, uh, look at our people as being criminals, and they never do that to the other uh, community. Also, the press does not help, because the press, I... I Read in the press, they always escalate something that a person of color does. And the same thing, just like with that fight that happened last week, uh, there was a, a, a incident out here with uh, some white teenagers last year, and the mother was involved and caused this to escalate, and you didn't read that about in the paper. I only saw that out here. And uh, I'd just like to ask another question, if possible. Uh, when uh, people are taught, I know Dr. Porcher teaches in the uh, school, and I'd like to know when he teaches with police, are they taught to shoot to kill? This is what I'd like to know, and I will take my answer off the air. Thank you very much. All right, Millie, thank you very much for that. Dr. Porcher? Well, uh, police are taught to shoot to stop. It's not shoot to kill. And the goal is, I should say, the aim when we when we go in connection with firearms training, it's to aim for firearms, excuse me, aim for center mass. Center mass is basically the chest cavity area, and the goal is to terminate whatever um, force is being used against either the police officer or a third party. But real talk, center mass is where the most vital organs are. So you're more likely to die from a, a, sh- a shot to center mass. It, is death possible? Sure, it is. But we want to take, we want to think in perspective of stopping in, or terminating any force that's being deadly physical force being used against 
a police officer or a third party. Pierre, what about the what Millie was saying in terms of this this almost subconscious racial profiling that goes on? What's the, what do you think about that as a former cop and now criminal defense attorney? I think uh, Dr. Porcher would agree with me. People have problems with the police. They say the police profile, they do this, they do that. There's one way and only one way to solve that. Go out there, take the test, get on the job, and do that job yourself. When there's a black cop on the scene, I spent a for 14 years. I never saw a white cop do anything racist in my presence, ever, not once, in the 14 years I was on the job. Because they're just not going to. And I served with a lot of good guys. I served with a lot of guys that weren't so good. But the fact is, when there's people of color in the police department... It's going to cut down on that perception that there's some sort of racial profiling going on. I never locked a person up in my entire career based upon the color of his skin, ever, not once. But what about with this case with with UVA, with Martise Johnson? There are some students there, black and white, who are saying, you know, this is... And and people around college campuses know that, you know, they get in, they just tell them, get out of here, you don't have the right ID, or the ID looks a little bit of suspect. And the the white students were just kind of like brushed off, and then all of a sudden they go... for this guy what do you think about that well we look at what happened in um uva um we had the alcohol beverage and control officers to stop the individual mr um johnson and he was going he was attempting to enter um an alcohol established a bar basically and he was underage he was 20 years old he presented his id to one of these uh these officers and the officers believed that the id was fake a uh, uh, scuffle subsequently which his attorney denies his right, atter- right right a subs uh a scuffle ensued. Um, Mr. Johnson was placed face down. He received a number of stitches on his face. Now, one side, when you look at Mr. Mr. Johnson, is this something that constitutes this type of um, this type of force being used? I don't know the force that Mr. Johnson used against the officers because when I look at the video, I see Mr. Johnson on the ground saying, "I go to UVA, you effing racist." Exactly. The key when we as civilians deal with police is to use we want to whatever whatever commands that officers give us in the street, abide by it. The key is to get out of that interaction as quick as possible. Now let's look on the other side. The police did this constitute this level of force? Once again, we only saw the back end of this video. However, um, initially, it may appear to be an unjust and unreasonable amount of force that was used against Mr. Johnson. If so, the Virginia governor has come out and stated, look, I am requesting an investigation into this because his perception of it was there was um, an abuse of force there. If an abuse of force was um, administered on Mr. Johnson, by all means, the officers need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And oftentimes when we think about police and dealing with individuals in the street, we all have implicit and explicit bias. An implicit bias is a subconscious bias whereas we believe that we're not racist but however this subconscious feel may may drive us towards doing things based on what our thoughts are of individuals of other ethnicities excessive excessive. explicit bias is something that's more overt meaning the racism like what we saw on the bus right exactly Pierre real quick but before we go back to the phones because we have so many people that want to get in on this conversation at 1-800-223-9797 what advice as as a former cop and a criminal defense attorney are there are, when you look at all like all of the high profile situations we've had over the last year is there a moment 
in hindsight where it could have gone a different route and the person's life could have been spared or the injury could have been spared if they had responded uh, differently and not to blame the victims but not to blame the victim but, but is is there a, a different outcome possible there's a different outcome possible i think the good doctor is going to agree with me in this again step one do not resist step two do not resist and step three weren't you listening the first two times if you're confronted by the police don't fight don't run nothing good is going to come from that all right you have to you should surrender yourself peaceably and take it up in court Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Say nothing. That's rule number two. Don't say anything to the police. Name, address, date of birth. Don't make any admissions. Don't make any denials. You'll do that in court on the record. Out on the street, there's no record. There's no stenographer taking everything down. But a lot of people, you'll see a lot of excessive force allegations arise out of somebody who was actively resisting, who was trying to get away, who was trying to break Or who had really committed a crime. Might have committed a crime. Maybe it's a person who's completely innocent and wants to contest his innocence right there on the street. Hell no, you're not locking me up and he's going to fight cops. Not a good move. You're not going to win. So don't resist. Keep your mouth shut. Give your name, address. Name, address, date of birth. Date of, date of birth. Stick. And next thing is, I want my lawyer. And then they can't ask you. Is that true? If you say, I want my lawyer, they can't ask you, you anything more? You need custody plus interrogation. And um, you, don't, you don't have to answer questions. Am I being detained? Right. Am I being detained? And if I am being detained, why am I being detained? Well, there's another aspect of that. There was a Supreme Court decision from about 2010 that says when you demand an attorney, they're supposed to stop interrogating you. Right. Is that true or false? Or is that one of these things that's on the books but not in reality? Well, it's not so much after the 2010 decision because the, the Supreme Court ruled in 2010 that even though you said, I want an attorney and they're supposed to stop interrogating you, they can continue to ask you questions even though you've asked for an attorney. Do you have it's to answer The those? emergency exception comes into play. Whereas if an individual, if they have custody plus interrogation, um, and the individual states that, look, I don't want to answer any questions. I want an attorney. However, if the police believe that there's a dire emergency, such as the information they receive from you can save someone's life, they can continue to ask you questions. Oh, not even in the emergency exception. They can continue to ask you, even though you've invoked your right to you, counsel you now. you have to answer, though? No, you don't have to answer, no. and you must continue to maintain... Uh, your right to remain silent. So even though the police have the right to continue to ask you questions after you've invoked your right to counsel, you must remain silent. So if you've got somebody that's really a hard-nosed detective or really exper- and they're, they're like really sque- trying to squeeze you, you, you can just continue. You should stay calm and continue to say, I do not want to answer any questions until my attorney is here. Correct. They used to call it the absolute right to counsel. That's been eroded a little bit after that Supreme Court decision. All right, let's go to um, let, let's go to Larry, Larry from the Bronx right now. Larry, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. How are you? I'm listening to the officer talk. I just want to make a statement. I guess what officer? Goes, I'm retired. To what you guys are saying about um, <laughs> racism? Okay. I mean, you know, racism is real in in in, in this country. We, we we don't doubt that. So, I mean, even though he may not have seen racism on, you know, um, people turn their TV on to see it all the time. My thing is whatever. Cause I'm just hearing about what happened on the bus. I teach for the Board of Ed, but I mean, I'm hearing what happened on the bus, and that's not, um, it's, it's not a surprise to me. My thing is, things like that that happen, I think they need to police more of what happens on campus when it comes down to fraternity, whether it happens in their college or university at that time. Certain things such as this, if it, it just teaches you to, okay, to learn how to avoid it the next time. 
You have to go with your fraternity fees and let them know, well, you guys can't do this. You guys can't do that. This is not going to be tolerated. You have to, you know, be the things that you have to follow. If you guys can't follow that, then we have to set the fraternity down. And that this I'm is just, and that this just is not not cool. Angel, what do you think about that? Do you think there needed to be like coming up in the Bronx and coming up in such a, I mean, that where you grew up in the Bronx is like you said, extremely diverse. Was there a need in the schools and the public schools? Should there have been some kind of diversity training? Should there have been some? something going on there so that what whatever people grew up in, you know, whatever people learn from their parents and just kind of like from the streets, that there was some other more educated element there? I think it would be a good thing. Um, for myself, I mean, again, living in New York City, everything around me was diverse. So I don't personally need that. I don't think I needed it, but I think there are individuals that perhaps are not as open-minded. Um... I listen to country music. I listen. I make hip hop. You know, so I'm, I'm very diverse myself. I don't think everyone around me was. And one of the things I, I, I here's an example. I recently went to talk to some youth who were uh, released from incarceration. And when I walked in, they looked at me and they started laughing. They they started to laugh. They looked at me as though, what, what do you know? What do you know about the streets? What do you? How, what can you teach me? And they weren't really open to me until I started to rap. And when I started to rap and I, I gave them some of my experiences from the street in my music, they embraced me. So you have to figure out how can you teach teach the youth because this is really these guys are young. Those SAE guys are young guys. And it doesn't come from the parents. Some of that had to come from the parents too. That it's okay. I don't think it's, you just it's, go to college and start using language correct. like that. So even expelling them isn't going to change any. Those kids are going to be okay. They're going to go home. They're going to go to another school. They're going to go p- still get the jobs under their dads who may be a CEO. So that's not going to address it. It's got to be on a higher level. You can't. I've, I've heard people say, you know, you need to punish those guys. You need to zero in on them. You mentioned the First Amendment and... I have to agree with that. I mean, like, you see um, King Shabazz out there. I need to kill every iota of a cracker. We need to kill their babies. We need. He has the right to do that. Right. So let me chime in for a quick please. minute around the angel. We've talk, heard from a couple of callers talking about what is going to solve this. Right. Let's so talk we, about solutions. Well, first of all, solutions. It's definitely correct that this is a regional thing. Racism is worse in different parts of the country. In the South, it's worse than it is in the North. It's not as bad in California as it is in Montana. This is just the way it is. It's our country. The only thing that's going to solve this is time. A little more than 40 years ago, uh, Robert F. Kennedy was asked if the United States would ever have a black president. And he said it would take about 40 years for America to uh, lighten up and be enlightened enough to have a black president. And he was dead on because in 2008, America elected a black president. Racism as we know it, is diminishing and dying with time. So in our lifetimes, it's going to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Obsolete in our lifetimes. It's not going to happen tomorrow. But 40 We're years... It's going to be beige. Yeah, 40 <laughs> years from now. Yeah, in, in 1968, the population in the United States that was of mixed race was maybe 6%. Now you're talking maybe 18% of the population. 40 years from now... People of mixed race are going to be the majority ethnic group in the United States. And when that happens, you're not going to see the racism that you saw 
40 years ago, 50 years ago, you're not going to see the racism that you see. The whole thing is the whole thing is going to change. Dr. Porcher, in terms of solutions, what do you see as an educator also in a, a former law enforcement? I think education is the key. We need to educate. Um, all members of society of the differences in racism, um, also implicit and explicit bias. The average person is not explicit with the racism. It's usually implicit. And I mean, I have my uh, I, don't, I have my implicit bias towards a lot of things. It may not be towards race, but this is something that's natural. That's this is something that naturally naturally exists within us all. We need to have far more, um, I should say, education to let us know there are good things with, within all cultures. And I think education is the key to taking us to the next level. Angel, what do you think some of the solutions are? Well, you know, the military was very helpful for me because when I went into the military, I was exposed to people from all over. When I went to Wichita Falls, Texas, the first time I went off base was the first time I, I experienced racism when I was afraid. A Shepard Air Force Base? Yes, sir. Okay. I was afraid that I was going to get beat up um, by white dudes <laughs> in, a, in a completely different part of the country. I had never experienced that. It's always been my own people because I look like a white dude. These white dudes know I'm not white. And I was in there. I, I went off base and they literally told me, where are you from, boy? You're one of them Yankees, boy. And I was like, whoa. And I was I, I never went off base after that, being completely honest with you guys. On that same note, though. I do a lot of speaking um, um, politically, and I've been in West Virginia speaking at Tea Party rallies, and it's all white people, and they all embraced me. You understand? I didn't feel any form of racism. It was like everyone was just wonderful to me. So it, it just says, yes, there are some that are going to be bad, and there are some that are going to be good. The same as here in New York City. I have tons of friends, obviously, that are Latino who are good to me, and I had some that beat the crap out of me. So you're going to have a mixed bag. And I think as time has passed, it's going gonna, it's gonna to become less and less. Like, like you just said, it's, it's, we're all going to be beige. All right, let's take a <laughs> call from uh, Pablo from New Jersey. Uh, Pablo, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, I feel like I solved the problem to this Um, I feel like they should have colored folks, also black or Spanish, in, in hood areas. That, as police, that way... They won't have so much problems with, oh, it's white. You're, you're saying more diversity with the police department. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, well, I, th- I think that's a point that, um, I'm, I think that's a point that uh, some of our guests are making as well. That, it's Pierre? undeniable. I, I think every department in the country has recognized that. And uh, 40 years ago, it wasn't as diverse as it is now. It's a lot more diverse than it's ever been. And it's only going to continue to be so. So the, it's getting better. It's all a matter of time and writing it out. All right, let's see if we can uh, take one more quick call. Um, I think it's it's Mutu. I'm sorry, I don't have your name correct. I know you're from the Bronx, but you're on the air with Hot 97. Go right ahead. Yes, my name is Muta. Muta, okay. All right, Muta. What's your question or comment? Thanks for calling in. I wanted to speak about how you were saying, like, when the police confront you to just like surrender and just to give your name and address our guests are saying that yes surrender peaceably comply do do not resist bottom line do not resist resist. what do you think about that okay so when all those young black teenagers that got murdered and didn't resist they didn't resist and followed the rules and they still got murdered so what do you think about that i think that's called a murder and the person who's guilty of that murder should be prosecuted therefore Okay, but there's also a sense that if a police officer is found guilty of that, that they're not treated to the same criminal justice system as non-police. 
they get a jury just like any other defendant. So if a cop was accused of a crime, he's going to stand before a jury of 12 or a jury of six if it's a misdemeanor, and he's going to get the same due process as any other person can. There's flaws in the criminal justice system. It's not perfect. It never has been. But in this country, it's better than it is in any other. All right. We're just about out of time. And I'm sorry to uh, everyone else that's on hold. On the phone lines, Dr. Darren Porcher, final word real quick. Once again, we think about racism in our society. What it does is it brings us down. It, do, it doesn't bring us up. In order for us as civilians or citizens in our society, we want to escalate where we are. And a large component in this is progressing and moving forward from racism. Racism is something that brings us down. It doesn't pull us up. So we need to come together as a community so we can advance and overcome these dilemmas that are attributed to racism. All right, Angel. Agreed. I think um, we communi- communication. Um, I won't say send everybody into the military to forcibly expose everyone to different. But it does open your eyes. A- absolutely. The military for me was an amazing experience, and it was the first time I got out of the Bronx. And I found again, I found the same thing I found in the Bronx. I found good people and bad people from all over, everywhere, everywhere. All right, Pierre Bazile. We heard one of our callers talk about being the only black guy in the white fraternity. So was I. And, you know, as a result, I have deep friendships with a lot of white guys, and they're like brothers to me. This is about personal relationships. Racial, racism and racial biases die when people form deep personal bonds with each other. So be the white guy in the black fraternity. Be the Hispanic guy in the Asian fraternity. It's about personal relationships. Right, and about following that. I want to thank all of our guests for being with us. I'm Dr. Darren Porcher, Angel Rodriguez, and criminal defense attorney Pierre Bazile, and also everyone hitting us up on Instagram, Young San Juan, Tiffany Perez, uh, talking about Professor Ann Bailey of Binghamton University and students. They've been working to help educate and combat racism. Tiffany, if you have more information on that, please send it to my executive producer, tone the number four real at gmail.com. That's tone the number four real at gmail.com. Culinary Soldier, Art Club International, Naughty, everybody hitting me up. Thank you so, so much for your comments and also for your well wishes. We really appreciate it. And also, it is Women's History Month. We've got a lot going on here. I want to let you know about the Women on the Move event. This happens every single year, organized by our very own hashtag Team Lisa, Street Soldiers team member Amber Ravenel. This Wednesday, March 25th at 6 p.m., NYU's Organization of Black Women. They are returning for the ninth annual Women on the Move panel featuring pioneering women in the entertainment industry. These amazing women will be talking. They're handpicked. There's all kinds of, uh, there's big, big name celebrities there that you have. They're going to be talking about challenges in the workplace, the importance of professionalism. Um, the artist Estelle is going to be there. All uh, Journalists, all kinds of people. And uh, moderated by the one and only Dee Vasquez, who I know is going to be an amazing, do an amazing job. So shout out to her and all the ladies that are going to be there Wednesday night, March 25th, 6 p.m. at NYU. It's called Women on the Move, and it's free, so you might want to check that out. We also, we love it when our kids are doing great, and I also want to shout out the Harlem Children's Zone track team. They went to the Nationals in Maryland. This is thanks with uh, Charisma on hashtag Team Lisa here. We won, they won seven All-American medals, and uh, so congratulations to the kids from the Harlem Children's Zone and the great, great, amazing job repping Harlem in uh, sports there on that thing. And I want to thank everybody on my team here at Hot 97. I want to thank our general manager, Dion Levingston, our program director, P.O. Farrow, um, music director, 
the one and only T.T. Torres, my executive producer, Tone Capone, our digital guru, Jeffrey Thacker, digital assistant, one and only board op, the one and only T.J., and uh, associate producer, Rose D., production assistants from Charisma. And I want to thank everybody for all their help, and thank you all again for all the support, the prayers, the love, the help, everything over these last uh, three weeks. I've got a couple more weeks to go before I can get behind the wheel, you know, be fast and furious again there over on the West Side Highway. But uh, <laughs> maybe not so fast and furious this time. And um, I just want to thank you all very, very much. I'll be on the Fox 5 News back there today at 6 o'clock. And uh, hit me up at Lisa at Hot97.com. That's Lisa at Hot97.com. You can reach me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, Instagram, at Lisa Evers. And next Sunday, there's word today of uh, new, very specific threats by ISIS against members of our military publishing their home addresses and their names and threats like that. We're going to be talking about the terrorists next door. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, three men, two of them, in, one in their 19, the other in his 20s, who were in Brooklyn. They look white, arrested as, uh, you know, conspiring to commit terrorist acts. We're going to talk about the terrorists next door. We're also reaching out to uh, Muslim student organizations. If you're concerned about this, if you're concerned about being racially profiled, we're reaching out to former military. If you're interested in being part of that show, next Sunday on The Terrorist Next Door. Um, hit hit up Tone, my executive producer, Tone the number four real at gmail.com Tone the number four real at gmail.com and uh, I'm wishing you a very, very good week. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace. Mm, wow! This spicy omelet flatbread from Dunkin' Donuts has got a kick. The peppers make it spicy. Tingly. Hot. Fiery. Caliente. You speak Spanish? We. Oui? <laughs> Nope, he does not speak Spanish. Duncan's new spicy omelet sandwich is a delicious egg omelet with jalapeno, habanero, and red bell peppers on a flatbread with bacon and cheese. Grab one today and spice up your morning. America runs on Duncan. Price participation may vary. Limited time offer. Hi, welcome to Dunkin' Donuts. Hi, I'd like a butter pecan-flavored iced coffee, please. Okay, but sir, you don't need to scream since it's not ice cream. It's ice cream-flavored iced coffee. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Get ice cream deliciousness with Dunkin' Donuts coffee and latte flavors inspired by Baskin Robbins. Try cookie dough or new Rocky Road flavors today. America runs on Dunkin'. Press participation may vary. Limited time offer. Enjoy Dunkin' Donuts coffees and lattes inspired by Baskin Robbins ice cream flavors. Try a new Rocky Road iced coffee today. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. So I was talking to a buddy of mine who's on the NYPD, right? And he told me to check out NYPDrecruit.com. So I did. Awesome benefits, lots of chances to move up in the ranks, and an excellent salary. And I can take the exam six days a week. It's that easy. I went down to one of the New York City testing centers and took the exam, and now I'm looking forward